0: All right, you guys being done being friendly over there? Yeah, don't stop. That's all right. You don't have to stop. That's, we're just going to have a little conversation here. Um, all right, so uh, let's see. We're going to look into Scripture in just a minute. Before we do that, how many fathers are in the house? Yeah, woo is right. That'll woo-hoo for the dad. That's awesome. Uh, I want to pray for you guys who are dads. I hope you have a great Father's Day. And uh, those of you who are not fathers, I hope you have a great Father's Day, right? Moms. Wives, you know, anybody, I'm glad. I am glad. hope you have a great Father's Day because it's a day and we should have fun today. So I want to pray for you guys, all of you, and then we're going to look into Scripture together. All right? Father in heaven, thanks so much for your goodness to us. Uh, as it's Father's Day, we can honor you as our Father. You are the perfect Father. Uh, you know exactly what to do in every situation. You do it. You love us with an everlasting love, and that is remarkable. Uh, considering the road that we walk sometimes. So thank you for your great love for us. Lord, for those who are dads among us, thank you for them. I pray for them today that they feel honored, but I pray for them every day that they would honor you and they would uh, choose to follow a path that you are on, that they would choose to follow Jesus every single day and become more faithful, more productive as followers of Jesus every day. Lord, there may be some among us who are not dads who would like to be, and I, I just pray for them, too, that you'll grant the desire of their heart, but for every one of us, uh, may we feel your presence today. Whatever situation we're in in life, whatever's going on in our world, uh, may we feel your presence today and live in it and celebrate it and honor you together. Lord, thank you. We love you. Uh, steer us into your scripture and help us to know your story and how we fit into it today. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so we have, we, I think I forgot to tell you this, we have the after party going on, the Blitz after party today. There's bounce houses and a rock climbing wall and all that kind of stuff. Dads, you can go on those. <laughs> Don't push children out of the way, but you you know, stand in line if you want to and you can go do those things as well. It'll be, it'll be a lot of fun out there. And we have donuts. And there may be, and I'm not saying, but there may be ice cream out there too. So I know, right? So it's pretty good stuff. All right. You know, it's a great... It's a great fun thing for me to go through the week of Blitz. I, I love our Blitz program. I love that camp. I love everything Ramey and all the team leaders have been doing over the years and over this last week to make that happen. It's so great to watch children being loved by people that are not their parents. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you know if you're their parent, you have to love them. But when you volunteer for a week, you know, I'm I'm just here because I want to honor God and I want to bless these children. That's a beautiful thing. When you watch middle schoolers and high schoolers giving up a week of their summer to say, I'm not going to just go swim or I'm not just going to go whatever I'm doing, tooting around. I'm actually going to serve children. That's not normal. (laughs) Well, you know, which is all right because we don't live in a normal world. So that's interesting. And uh, so all the stuff that goes on with Blitz is really beautiful. But it's not always normal. It's not what you see around us all the time in this world. There's a lot of stuff in this world that's not normal and not in good ways, right? I mean... When someone can target congressmen practicing for a charity baseball game and then shoot at them, that's not normal. And that is not a normal world that we live in. We're in exile here. We're aliens in that kind of a world. When our political leaders struggle to be civil to one another until one of their members gets shot, that's not normal. And we're aliens and exiles in that kind of a world. When religious organizations take credit for inhuman mayhem, that's not normal. And so we are exiles in that kind of a world. We've been talking for the last few weekends about what it means to live in exile by faith. So the Bible says our citizenship is in heaven, and we wait for our Savior Jesus from heaven to take us to be with him where he is And if our citizenship is in heaven, that means it's not really here on earth. Whatever citizenship we have on earth is secondary, and so this world is not our home. We are exiles here. And we're trying to figure out what does it look like to live by faith in exile. So we've been telling some stories from the scriptures where the people of God were actually living far from their own home, far from their own country, and they're living in exile. But some of them were doing it really well. Like they figured out what God wanted for them and they were living in exile really well by faith. And we said, let's learn from them. Let's learn from that example. So that's what we've been doing for the last month. And I got one more story that I want to walk through with you here in the next few minutes. It's the story of exile, faith in exile. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Happens about 475 years before Jesus shows up. The people of Israel are now in exile in what is now Iran, what in those days was Persia, and many of them were living in the capital city, which was called Susa. And there was a young woman there whose name was Hadassah. Her, that's her Jewish name. Her, her Persian name, by which you may be more familiar with her, is the name Esther. And Esther's story is an amazing story. Anybody like to read novels? Three of you? I love reading novels. I remember when I got out of seminary from years ago, I I, I was tired of reading theology books and leadership books and Hebrew books and all those things. I still love that, but I was like tired of it, and I'm like, I want to read a novel. And it kind of started this pattern for me over the years. I just, I love to read stories. I love to read novels. And when you read the story of Esther in the Bible, it rivals any novel that's ever been written. In terms of its character development and its plot twists and the themes that it brings out. Amazing. And it's right in the Bible. Now, it takes about 25 minutes to read the story of Esther. It's 10 short little chapters in the book of Esther. 25 minutes to read the story. I don't have 25 minutes left to talk to you today because you're all thinking about donuts and bounce houses. (laughs) So I can't even read the whole story of Esther to you, much less tell it to you. So here's I, I need to give you an assignment for today. Sometime today before you before you close your eyes for the last time tonight, I want you to read the book of esther twenty five minutes make a twenty five minute investment in the story of God all right and i 'll give you some other things I want you to do you know a little bit later on, but twenty five minutes read the story of Esther and see how it goes see if it 's not one of the best stories you 've ever read all right now just to get you so you 're familiar enough with the story so so that I can actually give you some lessons from exile, I want to give you the story of exile I want the, the story of Esther in four minutes here's the four minute version so strap it on open your ears up get ready to go here's the story of Esther King Xerxes throws a party with an open bar for seven days (laughs) at the end of those seven days the king's had a lot to drink so he commands his queen to come to the party wearing her crown some bible scholars think he asked he's asking her to wear like only her crown so she says, no, but the king is furious, and he asks his advisors, what am I going to do? And they said, you've got to dump the queen. I mean, every man's got to be the king of his own castle. If the king's not the king of his own castle, then no man will be. You've got to dump the queen. The king thought, that's a good idea, so he dumped the queen. Now he doesn't have a queen. So the advisors said, we should have a beauty contest to pick the next queen. Well, of course they did, because they're all male advisors. And the king, who's also a man, thinks that's a really good idea. So they host a beauty pageant to find out who the next queen is going to be. And there's this young woman named Hadassah who's Jewish. And she has entered in the contest and she wins. And now she's the queen of Persia. Meanwhile, she's got a cousin who actually raised her. His name is Mordecai. Mordecai finds out that there's a plot against the life of the king. And he informs the king through various mediaries and, and eventually they find out that these people are actually going to carry out this plot. So the king arrests them and executes them. Now sometime later, the king decides to elevate and honor his grand vizier whose name was Haman. We also know that as a prime minister. He goes, I want to honor Haman. And everyone has to honor and bow to Haman. But when Mordecai refused to bow to Haman, Haman hatched a plot against Mordecai and his people, the Jews. And the king signs off on a law that allows the Jews to be completely annihilated 11 months from today. Mordecai, Mordecai hears about that plan, that law, and he implores his cousin Esther to approach the king. But Esther's afraid. And she invites the king and Haman to a banquet, but she gets cold feet at the banquet and doesn't say anything, so she invites them to a second banquet the next day. Now, Haman thinks he has arrived. He thinks, I'm all that, because he's been to two banquets in a row, back to back with the king and queen of Persia. Pretty cool. But he hates the fact that Mordecai won't bow to him. So when he goes home that night, Haman's wife suggests to Haman that he execute Mordecai, but he's got to get the king's permission. Haman likes the idea, so he constructs an execution tower 50 feet tall in his front yard. Little landscaping design architecture ideas for you. That night, the king can't sleep. So he gets out the Chronicles of Persia and reads the Chronicles, hoping that he'll go to sleep. But in the Chronicles, he finds out that Mordecai was never honored for saving the king's life. Meanwhile, Haman comes in the next morning early to ask for Mordecai's execution. But the king tells Haman to honor Mordecai publicly. Haman is mortified and goes home in humiliation. When Haman's, and Haman's wife declares, you are so dead. The king's servants arrive at that moment to escort Haman back to Esther's second banquet. At the second banquet, Esther reveals Haman's role to the king in the plot against her people. The king executes Haman on his own execution tower. The king signs a new executive order protecting the Jews forever. And Mordecai is made prime minister of Persia. And that's the story of Esther. (laughs) It's even better when you read it. 25 minutes, read the story. It's amazing, but there's some lessons in there for exile. There's some things we need to learn about how to live by faith in exile. So let me just walk you through a couple of these things from the story of Esther. First thing you find out as you read through this story is God is not mentioned once. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. This is in the Bible. This is a story in the Bible. God is not mentioned once. God is not mentioned when Esther wins the beauty pageant. God is not mentioned when the plot is hatched to destroy the Jews, God's people. God is not mentioned when the queen asks all the people to fast for her. God is not mentioned when Haman has a grudge against Mordecai, and Mordecai won't bow to Haman, and that all, that all escalates. God's not mentioned once. God is not mes- mentioned even when the Jews are rescued. God is not mentioned one time in the story of Esther. here's a lesson for exile when living in exile never imagine that god is missing we can't see god we very seldom hear god and so sometimes in the midst of a crazy world we go oh maybe maybe god is missing I mean, think about the Jews. They're living 600 miles away from their home. They're not slaves, but they're not free. They don't have the freedom to return to Jerusalem right now. They have no temple into which they, into which they can, in which they can worship their God. And they're not allowed to write God's name in their own literature during this time in exile. But they never imagined that God was missing. We live in a crazy world today. And sometimes the politics of this world are so ugly and so insane that we imagine that God has gone missing. Sometimes your work life can get in so much upheaval. Sometimes you lose a job or you lose income or things go sideways with the boss, whatever those things are, and you go, God must be missing. Sometimes your family blows up. You never saw it coming not when you stood at the altar, not when your firstborn was born. You never saw it coming. But it blows up. and Sometimes you go, God must be missing. Sometimes your health goes sour. Never thought that would happen to you. And you think, God must be missing. When living in exile, which we are, never imagine that God is missing. He is always present. He is always preparing moments for our lives in which and through which we can live for Him. He doesn't always show up like we expect. He doesn't always appear like we wish. But He is never missing. Let me tell you, let me read for you a conversation that happens between Esther and Mordecai. Uh, now, they, and that, the, the conversation is not direct because she's in the palace and can't w- right now get out. And Mordecai's outside and can't right now get in. So they're doing this conversation through a mediator whose name was Hathak. Ma- uh, Esther chapter 4, verse 9, describes this conversation. It says, Hathak went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, All the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they be put to death unless the king extends the golden scepter to them and spares their lives. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. Esther says to Mordecai, you just can't sashay into the presence of the king. You just can't waltz right into the throne room of the king and say, majesty, I'm here. You just can't do it even if you're the queen. I haven't been been invited to the king's presence for a month. You can't just waltz in there. Mordecai sends a message back to her. He says, look, don't think that just because you live in the palace that you're safe. Don't think that just because you live in the king's house that you're safe. God will rescue his people. God will show up. God is not missing. And if deliverance doesn't come from you, through you, it will come through someone else. And who knows? Maybe you arrived at your position for such a moment as this. You have a position in this world. Every one of you. Every one of us. We have a position in this world. Some of you are being celebrated today because you have a position called father. You're being celebrated today because of your position. Some of you have a position of mother. Some of you have a position of friend. Some of you have a position of boss. Some of you have a position of employee. Some of you have a position of neighbor. Some of you have a position called official. But we all have a position, and who knows that maybe you came to this position for such a moment as this? Maybe God wants to do something in this moment through your life, and if you're not paying attention, you'll miss it. God will bring that moment to fruition through somebody, but He wants to happen. He wants it to happen through you. But you got to be paying attention when living in exile. Never imagine that God is missing. And when living in exile, always prepare for the next God moment. Live your life ready for the next God moment. Now, I want to ask you a question. I don't mean to be rude by this question at all, but are you slow? See, see it's just a little bit of a climb, like a unfortunate question no what i mean to say is are you slow like me do you ever get a spot in your life where you know something happens and a day and a half later or two and a half days later you're like oh i should have said that i missed that opportunity yeah you know that are you ever slow like that like oh yeah hindsight's beautiful but i'm not because i miss that one you ever miss the moments that come into your life do you ever miss the god moments that he presents in your life because you just weren't paying attention When living in exile, always prepare for the next God moment. Mordecai said to Esther, maybe, who knows, maybe you came to your position for such a time as this. Dads, maybe you're a dad just because God's got moments in your children's life that he wants you to lean into. Friend, maybe you've come into that position in those relationships just because God has some moments that he wants you to lean into. But you have to be prepared for them because most of us are slow on the uptake and we miss the moment. When living in exile, always prepare for the next God moment. Now, how do you do that? Because maybe you're like me and you're a little slow on those things. You, don't, you, you miss those things. So how do you get ready for those things? Let me just give you something to do. Sometime today, you're going to take 25 minutes and read the book of Esther. We, we, we talked about that already. We agreed. We agreed. We agreed. I said it. We agreed. That's how it rolls, I guess. Now, you're going to read the book of Esther. And then at the end of the day, I don't want you to do this until the end of today. But at the end of the day, I want you to get out a piece of paper or a tablet or a laptop or something. I want you to get something out that you can write on. And I want you to write a list of all the moments that you can look back on and go, that was a moment today. doesn't matter if you missed it. You know, no shame, no embarrassment. Like, oh, I missed that one. doesn't matter. Just Go back to the day and go, was there a moment there in my day where God wanted me to engage somehow with someone and maybe I missed it? And maybe you, you, you write a list, it'll have someone's name because it's always related to people because God's about loving and redeeming people. It'll have a name, it'll have a place, uh, may have a time, and will have a circumstance. And list that down on your paper. And if there's, like, if there's three moments that you come across, write those three moments down. And even if you missed all three of them, just just write them down. You don't have to grieve or anything. Just write them down. And then, number two, thank God for every one of those moments he created for you. To bless somebody else's life. To move somebody else closer to God. Whatever the moment was like. Maybe to warn someone or caution someone even. Thank God for all those moments that you're aware of, even if you missed them. And number three, pray for the moments tomorrow that God is already preparing today. Then you know what's going to happen tomorrow? Tomorrow you're going to live life probably forgetting all about those moments. Except at the end of the day, you're going to go through the process again. You're going to write the moments that came down that day and you're going to thank God for those moments that came that day. Then after you do this two days or three days, what you're going to find is there's a pattern to those moments. Then after a while, if you keep praying for the moments for the next day, after a while, when you get up in the morning, you go, where's the moment? And you're going to have your eyes open and your ears open. You're going to capture some of those moments. You might still miss some of them. But you're going to capture some of them as well. And if you keep doing that, you'll be leaning into the moments that God has given to you. Who knows? But maybe you came to this place and this position for such a time as this. Esther didn't know when she won a beauty pageant. But God had been setting her up for years for that moment. God has been setting you up for years for some of the moments that are coming tomorrow. And for you to be there and be ready, you have to have your eyes open. Write down a list of your moments at the end of the day. Thank God for those moments that came and pray for the moments that are coming tomorrow. When living in exile, never imagine that God is missing. And when living in exile, always prepare for the next God moment. Jesus, I pray for us today that we would be ready. We would be ready because our eyes and our ears and our hearts are open to you. We would be ready because we've been training ourselves to be ready for those moments. And Lord, I just think with as many people as are here this weekend at Lakeside, there's some amazing moments that you've got laid out for us, and we just don't want to miss those. We know we're living in a strange world. We know we're living in a world that's been damaged. We know that we are exiles in this place. But you have a place for exiles. You have a place for aliens here. And you have a mission for us. And that mission is fulfilled moment by moment by moment in our lives. So I pray for me and I pray for my friends that we would be ready, knowing that you're not missing, knowing that you're absolutely with us all the time, And that you're preparing moments for us. Lord, we lean into it. We embrace it. We ask that you would work through us to shape this crazy world. In the name of Jesus. Amen.